Three, two, one. You are listening to the Launch Mission Podcast. Preparing students for liftoff on the journey to life after high school. With your host, author and founder of the Launch Mission Ministry, Tommy McGregor. So how does a teenager with visible growth in his faith struggle to the point of declining in maturity once he leaves home after high school graduation? So buckle your seatbelt. And make sure your tray table is in its upright position because it is time for the Launch Mission Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Launch Mission Podcast. We're really excited that you guys are here listening. We are uh, at part two of the differences between high school and college. If you listened to last episode, we talked about the social differences, and and there's a lot there. And and now we're going to talk about the faith-based or spiritual differences in your life between high school and college. So I want to welcome back Kelsey. Uh, on staff with the Launch Mission, and uh, she is my co-host for this little mini-series on the differences. Kelsey, uh, thanks for being back. You came back, and I'm really thankful that you did. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to to talk about this topic. I feel like I feel like there's a lot to talk about this one. That's true. And so, speaking about the spiritual differences, you know, our faith is the absolute most important thing, or at least we should try to make it the most important kind of core of our life. And to help you do that this last semester, I want to tell you guys more about the 90-Day Senior Challenge. This is something that has uh, released. It's um, it's, an, it's in an app format. It's a 90-day focus on all the things that you're going to face in your faith and making sure that your walk with Christ is as strong as it can be. So, Check out the 90-Day Senior Challenge. Calling all high school seniors, you've been challenged. The 90-Day Senior Challenge is an app that helps high school seniors spend 90 days before going to college preparing for the challenges of life after high school. The app features 15 topics, each with six days to focus on that subject. Each day you are learning more through questions, activities, and steps to develop habits. And you have to pick two people to serve on your accountability team and receive your answers each week. The 90 Day Senior Challenge app is fun and free. Do it along with your entire class at school and church. To download, go to seniorchallenge.app on your smartphone right now. So the spiritual differences between high school and college, there's so many um, and, and I think it really, in my mind, revolves around church. You know, um, when, for most people, at least when you're growing up, you, you go to a church that maybe your family goes to, or maybe your friends go to, um, you, you as a, as a, as a kid probably didn't have to go and find that church yourself. You, you were invited or you, like I said, you went with your family, but uh, and, and you were involved in the youth group and 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 it was comfortable and 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 regardless of the style of music or the the how traditional or or con, you know contemporary the church was, 
um, it was just your church. But now if you are moving away and, and going to live somewhere else in college, um, you're going to leave that church and you are going to be distances away from it. And hopefully you want to go find a new church. But the thing is, you've never had to do that before. And so finding a new church, I think, is the biggest difference. And I, I've met college seniors who are still looking for a church. You know, it just you 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 eventually just have to say, this is what I'm doing. I'm I'm going to find one. And so to me, Kelsey, I think that's kind of been the the biggest change uh, that I remember experiencing. It's like uh, none of the churches look like the one I went to grew up in. None of the churches um, are, you know, exactly like it. Uh, there's that tendency to say, well, I won't join a church. I'll just kind of come home event every once in a while and go to my home church. And, you know, but mm-hmm. I mean, but then you're, you're, you're not growing like you should because you're not in Christian community. What, what do you remember about some of those challenges? Yeah, I mean, I can really, really, I feel like I tried so hard to find a church in college that mimicked or replicated my home church. You know, I needed a congregation of 150 people or less. We sat in pews. We read this version, this translation, you know, ESV version of the Bible, things like that. Um, But yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's also a time where you're going to be exposed to so many different types of religions ministries, upbringings in general, I think it can be a time where maybe for the first time, this is your choice to really pursue a church. Maybe you never went to one growing up. Maybe there was no option. You had to go to church. That was how it was for me on Sundays. There was no option. I was at church whether or not I wanted to be there that Sunday. And I didn't have to. And so I feel like you really get to experience such an empowering moment when you decide, I want this, and then see what that like plays out in, whether it's joining that church, joining a ministry, leading in a ministry, joining a Bible study, anything like that. It's, you know, you don't have to. There's nobody standing over your shoulder making you do it, and it's really up to you. It's true, and when you can get to a point where you go to church or you go to ministry and you grow in your faith because you want to, as opposed to you have to, then you have stepped up a level of maturity right there. And, um, and I think college helps us do that and college will help us to kind of step up in that way. So in this episode, we are talking to Paul Turner and Paul is, uh, a, a speaker and, uh, a ministry coach. He is the founder of Disciple Project Ministries, and Paul's been in in working in uh, with students in ministry for decades, and he has a lot to offer on this topic. So here is my conversation with Paul Turner on the spiritual differences between high school and college. The Launch Mission Podcast. Mission Podcast. Hey Paul, man! Thank you for being a part of the Launch Mission podcast. It's a it's a privilege to have you on and talk about the differences between high school and college and uh, individuals' uh, faith 
uh, spiritual journey. So welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to be here. It's such a an important topic. It's something that's uh, near and dear to my heart, and uh, so I'm looking forward to uh, chopping it up with you. Yeah. So let's um, let's dive into this. So let me let me kind of share with you and and our listeners um, something that I, I've shared on the podcast many times, but and I've put it in just about every book that I've written, and, and every time I've gotten on a stage to speak about this topic it comes out. It's, it's kind of one of those main topics or or main theories of mine. And, um, and it's why this transition from high school to college and an individual's faith is, is so difficult. And so I want to, let me tell you, and then I want to get you to respond and then tell me your thoughts on why this, Mm -hmm. this issue is so important. So I always say that, that a typical high school senior has up to four major influences in their faith by the time they get to their senior year. And they may have two or three of these, but hopefully they would have up to all four of these. And they are family, friends, church, and mentors. And so those four influences have helped them become who they are in their faith and 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 have helped disciple them and, and, and get them to whatever level of faith maturity that they're in. So the expectation is that they will graduate and go to college and continue to grow and mature and be in community and, and make wise decisions and all of this, but they're leaving those four influences behind. So they will be making those decisions for the very first time without, and first time in their life without those four major influences. And so it's, it's something that is, 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 is this is like the first time that, this has happened and, and they may have changed schools and left a a community of friends, or they may have changed churches and left their, their church, but they've never left all four of those influences at once. And they've certainly most likely never had a long distance relationship with their, with their parents. And so um, let me ask you, that's my answer to this question I'm about to ask, but why is this, um, this, why is this, uh, this, transition in their faith so difficult for kids that have grown up and matured in 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 church and youth group and in a faith family well i think the 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 question has always been been there uh, when kids leave for college regardless of the era in which they did i think it's built into the dna of the teenagers that they have to figure out how to live i think you know as as part of god's plan of maturing that you have to figure out, you know, who you are. You have to figure out, you know, how to trust God. You have to figure out a lot of those things. Now, what's complicated that over the past decades uh, is the fact that back, you know, maybe when religion and faith was much stronger in the home, uh, it it was much more solid that you left with a certain set of values, principles that were generally uh, adhered to, you know, around, you know, uh, most people understood them or knew them versus today when a young person leaves the home. And I think it was Barna that talked about that a vast majority of parents do not have a Christian worldview. And so when you're sending kids off, kids are being sent off now without some of those values or some of those basic things that they did not learn in the home, whereas they did learn those in the home in the past, they're leaving to not only figure out 
what it means to make decisions, but a lot of them are leaving in the sense of having to develop a worldview before in college uh, because they've not heard uh, you know, a, a Christian worldview. They're trying to develop a Christian worldview on their own, especially if they've not been in church, if they've, if they've not been in church and they don't have parents who they, you know, they may have great parents who love God, who do go to church, uh, but it's not practiced in the home per se, uh, that the, it's, it's become increasingly difficult that when a student leaves home, they're not leaving with the same set of those um, concrete values, maybe, that are uh, that were once a part of that package that you would leave home with. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right on. Um, I want to ask you about a little bit of that because you, you said a lot there. Um, what's the importance of identity? You mentioned identity. What's the value of a of establishing the sense of identity um, in Christ before you leave uh, the foundations of home and go go off on your own? Sure, the the value of your identity in such a, in, in a young person who already feels because they're you know, and I have my my own children, my children that I have grown push back on the you know, your brain's not fully developed <laughs> until yeah. you're 26, 28 type of thing, which, which I am an adherent of. Uh, but they're dealing with the fact that they are, they are still in that state of, do people like me? Will people like me? My wife says it best that age is just a number. Uh, I think we have christened 18 years old as some sort of magic number where everything's supposed to come together. And that's just not true. I think we have to, I think we have to take the number 18 off the throne and start looking at it far more, you know, uh, long-term because I think a lot of parents go, well, my kid's 18 years old. Well, what does that mean exactly? Your kid's 18. That means absolutely nothing. It means, it means he's 18. (laughs) That means, you know, he is, he or she is still seeking to find who they are. They're going to have to define themselves both from a faith perspective, their identity in Christ, that if they're not leaving with the Christian worldview that they are somebody in Christ, they're going to they're going to wind up seeking that identity in others. And that will be tested, by the way. It's you're you're you know, you'll be asked to change identities. You'll be your identity will be challenged when you go to college, because there's nobody there to, you know, unless you're, we'll talk about this, I'm sure community and otherwise that you're going in blind in some way and that you're coming in with whatever you have been taught by your parents, uh, by your youth pastor, by your friends. And you're going to go into that scenario of college and, and, and they're still going in with, will people like me? what do I have to do to make people like me? What do I have to do to fit in? You know, and 18 is not, um, uh, 18 is, you know, greater than 17, but it is no benchmark of maturity. It simply means you're going to college. That's, that's all that means. That's true. And, you know, earlier back in the, in the fall, I had Dr. Chap Clark on the podcast and he is the uh, authority on this topic of adolescence and, and how it's, uh, grown yeah. and changed and, 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 you know, and how 18 used to be the, 
the mark of of adulthood and now in our culture it's 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 yeah. older and so you you there there's a lot to say with that um so you you talked about worldview and and just kind of a lot of you said something about uh, that that teenagers are having to learn a worldview once they get into college because they're not taught that in high school yeah. and stuff. Um, so, you know what what have we seen or what have you learned about uh, the the worldview conversation that's happening in, on a college campus today? Well, I think we can see a lot that's happening on the college campus today as far as worldviews go. I mean. It's it's a public square. I mean, there is a we can tell from from various things. There's clubs, there's organizations, there's uh, everything that is on display. It's not a these clubs are not private clubs where you go to a classroom anymore. These are clubs, organizations. And it's always been that way. If you go back to the 60s, if you go back to, you know, uh, times when Vietnam, I mean, look, there's there's worldviews happening all the time. And and that's a lot. If a kid is from small town to a big college he is he or she is seeing things that a display worldviews that they have never experienced before and they're trying to come in to adjust to go what is going on here why are those people protesting why are what is going on here why are they was everybody holding signs over here why is you know and th- their their point of view a lot of times is only what they see on social media, what they see on TikTok and those things. But when they get into the mix of that, uh, that now they have to decide where do I belong in all of this or do I belong in all of this? And so I think the the worldview of uh, the campus worldview is in full display to them. And it is certainly overwhelming, I think, to most students who walk in onto a college campus who watch you know, the explosion of ideas uh, that are challenging them. And so whether it's, you know, uh, LGBTQ organizations, whether it's now the war that we see happening in Israel, whether it's uh, uh, so other social needs and concerns, there are, there are vying, these groups, all groups, not just these groups that I mentioned, but all groups are vying for attention. Yeah. Want the attention, especially a freshman, they want their attention and or support. And, and so, you know, they're going to young people walking in then have to then decide, you know, as far as their worldview going, what they know from a, that, that what they know greater their feelings, that they have a, not only, you know, that their, that their feelings, their overwhelming feelings that they have that says, well, I have to belong and I have to do these things. It's no different than when you're in middle school where you, where you're trying to decide what table you're going to sit at, uh, you, you know, or what table people will let you sit at. Because if you're going into college as a Christian, if you're going in with the mindset that you are a Christian and that's my strong identity, that creates a whole nother set of pushback things that they're going to experience that maybe they have never experienced before. But I've always been a Christian. I've always been welcomed in other places. And I've always felt, you know, comfortable. Now they're going into, especially if they're going to a, uh, a public, non-Christian campus, uh, they're going to feel that rush of pushback the minute they say or practice their faith. That's true. It's right on. So we can't control or influence, not much at least, what's what they're going into. We can't 
control the environment that you've just described. But what we can do in this conversation and just in our ministries uh, uh, each uh, is we can help influence those who are going there. Um, so, you know, my story is I grew up in a perfect, what I would consider a perfect Christian family, a outstanding church and youth group. Um, I was, um, you know, I was a leader in my youth group. I was a Christian leader at my school. Um, I was, and you'll appreciate this. I always tell youth pastors, don't do this. This is a sign of, this is number one thing don't do. But I was given a plaque that I still have over, over the other side of this room. Uh, I was given a plaque my senior year that, that identified me as the most outstanding senior of my youth group. And what that did for me is it told me that, hey, if anybody was going to be prepared for the challenges of life after high school, it was me because, I mean, I was the most outstanding senior. Um, and so I went from that world where everybody would have said, I mean, I'm, I will continue to grow and mature in my faith. Uh, and and I, I spent the first two and a half years of college really kind of wandering and trying to figure out that identity and kind of, you know, where, where I fit in. And I always linked it to, you know, how when you're, you're rafting and you're going down a river um, and it's, the water's flowing. I mean, you don't have to do much. You just have to kind of hang on and enjoy the ride, you know? Um, But then eventually the water gets deeper and you have to paddle and you have to kind of do some things. And um, high school for me, my senior year especially, was just kind of going down the cruising down the rapids and, and enjoying the ride. And then the water stalled out and I had to paddle and I didn't I'd never done that before. And I didn't know what that looked like. Um, and and I, sure. and, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of jokes with that. Uh, I was up a creek or whatever. But, you know, it's it's yeah. it's this idea that it's like everything's so new and we're completely unprepared. So. Let's try to, you know, help students prepare um, and, and, you know, and try to see what we can, you know, do to help them kind of be better equipped. Tommy, I think if I could, if I, if I could, if I could make a a point, I think that, I think the best, maybe the best um, idea of that, I watch a lot of college football and, and um, Notre Dame's my team and and they suck. They're terrible. (laughs) Um, They haven't won anything in 30 years. I'll tell you this, there are guys who are really great in college, not so great in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So when it when so when somebody goes and they could win the Heisman, there's plenty of of Heisman winners right. did not fare well in the NFL. You can get all the accolades, and I think you have to remember this, right? As a young person, that no matter what, you can't believe your own press clippings. You can't you can't read the news about yourself and go, but my youth pastor told me I was fantastic. But my parents told me I was this. You're going in and you, like you said, have to paddle. It's not, there's not this smooth ride that that's going to be expected. Everybody's going to bow down right. to your, whatever accolades you've achieved during your high school years. You're now in big boy world where if it's the NFL, things move a lot faster, hit a lot harder. And uh, part of that identity in Christ is that that could be a rock solid identity and you can absorb a lot of that. But if you don't have that and you're going in soft going in, resting on the laurels and you're not paddling, you're in trouble. Yeah. 
people. I've watched, I've watched, I've watched good kids from great homes go bad in college. That's right. I've seen bad kids. I've seen, I've seen bad kids who figured it out. Right. I mean, I mean, good kids from bad homes or, or whatever it may be where they went off to college and they excel. And I think that's where everybody's journey is different. That's where God, that's where you have to meet God in the midst of your journey. And you do have to learn. I think it's such a great phrase. You have to learn how to paddle early. No doubt about it. I love that analogy of the NFL. That's good. Um, so what would you say are the biggest differences uh, biggest challenges for a, a Christian teenager uh, between life in high school and life in college. The the there are there are many, and I've been talking with one of my seniors uh, recently, uh, just to encourage him and just to say, look, you have to learn where everything is done for you. It may be in high school. Your things are being done for you. You know. <laughs> Some seniors go to college and they don't know that they may have to cook for themselves. <laughs> they may have to figure out how to, what am I going to eat when your mommy and daddy brought you everything or your mommy brought, made you breakfast every day? Or, you know, you got class at eight, which means you got to get up at six to go get something to eat from the cafeteria, which then closes at 730. That if, that if you don't figure some of those dynamics out, of the fact that you have to take responsibility for those things that the, the cafeteria is not going to stay open just for you. The, the uh, teacher is not going to, you know, delay class until you get there. <laughs> uh, I, so I think there has to be, I think there has to be a mentality of, especially in this, and, and I don't want to pick on these kids, but listen, Christian schools are different than public schools. You know, if you're going to a Christian school, it's not quite the same as maybe going to a public school. And, and I'm not saying that the standards aren't high or anything like that. I'm just saying it's different. I'm saying I've worked in a few Christian schools. I understand. And I've been a substitute teacher in a public school. So the, the dynamics are, 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 can be different. They're not always different, but they can be different. And so when, when the, the, the differences are, and I think this comes from entitlement, uh, the entitlement issue. I'm seeing a lot of TikTok videos of young people, 21, 22, 23 years old, complaining about how hard work is. Yeah. And how things are not designed around them. The fact that their resume, they have a lot of good things on their resume, but I can't get a job. And the real deal is the employers are saying, what have you done? You, you have some education, but I don't see anything else. You, you want $100,000 a year, but you haven't done anything yet. And so when we see this, I think the greatest thing that a young person can do is say, look, nobody owes me nothing. To go into college with a mentality, nobody owes me anything. I owe me. I owe me a good education. I owe me to get up at 6 a.m., I owe me to understand my schedule. And, and if a young person can, can, you know, fire up the, the forge in them and start to craft that toughness within them, I think they're going to fare well. I think the difference being is if they go in with an entitlement attitude, that's going to hurt them. Not only, not only in the first year, it could hurt them the four years 
depending because there's a, there's a dip of, of disappointment <laughs> that they suddenly feel that things are not catered to them. And they have to figure that part out. They have to go in with that. Nobody owes me nothing. I owe me. And my success is mine. It's not up to anybody else. Yeah, boy, I love that. I owe me that. That's there's uh, boy, there's a lot with that. Um, I think uh, when I think about the differences, the the faith challenges and the differences uh, from high school to college, um, and we've already talked a little bit about identity and worldview, and there's some certainly some differences in that in those two worlds. Um, with those topics, uh, community seems to be the, the issue that if, and I'm asked, you know, in interviews or, or, or whatever, what's the one thing. And, and, and certainly you could put any of these as a one thing, but if, you know, I always say if they could connect, well, if they can re- back to the influence, if they can, can find replace the influence of the youth group and of the home church, um, and if their community, if their friend base is based in a, in a foundation of Christ, then um, some of the other issues might work themselves out to an extent. Um, talk about the value of finding community in college. And then how do you do that? Like what, like you've never done that before. What's that process look like? Uh, I think the the first thing I would say is don't find something like your youth group. Here's why. Because if you find something that's exactly like your youth group, you're not going to grow. And I tell my students, it's not what you believe, it's what you practice. And so you're going to go in with a set of beliefs and expect uh, the school or the group to to honor your beliefs. I, listen, find a group, whether it's a campus ministry find a, 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 a church that's doing things. Don't slip into meetings. Four years of meetings. Most youth groups are four years of meetings. Maybe you go on a missions trip. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're serving the community. Maybe you're not. Uh, so I think it's a matter of find groups that are going to challenge you, not make you comfortable. I love what Yes Theory says on their YouTube channel. They say, seek discomfort. And so I would say if you not if you were not in a youth group where you were a leader, find a group where you can be a leader. Find something that's going to challenge you in a community. Yes, it's got to be a good faith community, but sitting around talking about theology all day isn't going to help you. That's that's good. I'm glad you have great theology, but if you're not if you're not on a campus say practicing it is a place of practice. You are now going to practice everything you've learned in those four years, four years of high school, four years of youth group, four years of church, four years of spiritual development. And if you don't find a way to practice it, it will simply go into atrophy. You will, if you seek the comfort of just a meeting, of just being, of just say, I get to go to a meeting. Nothing wrong with the meeting. There's nothing wrong with sitting around and studying the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if you're going to be on a college campus, and I'll, I'll tell you what I tell my high school student. He just switched schools. He went from a uh, one Christian school from another, and he was very concerned about uh, about fitting in those things. I said, buddy, and I prayed for him one day, and it just kind of came out of my mouth as I was praying. I said, Lord, just teach him that this is another harvest field. It's another harvest field. And I think 
when Christians have to go to go to college, when young people go to college, as much as it is as a new experience, it's just another harvest field. It's another place where lost people are. It's another place where people need Jesus. And I would say find a club, an organization, and a church that really loves people enough to get out there, to serve on your campus, to to activate your faith in a way that maybe has not been activated before. Because those communities find people who are living that life. Find people who are, who are uh, you know, whether it's actively sharing their faith, find people who are actively serving, at, you know, Christians who are actively serving in the community of that, of that college, whether it's at the homeless shelter or feeding programs or those things. Go do those things because that's going to, uh, I think that's going to invigorate your faith uh, because you're now doing, you're not just sitting and learning, you're actually doing the gospel. That's, that's, yeah, that's true. So do you think that, um, the high school youth group, the, I mean, kind of the typical high school culture of, of youth ministry, um, has helped, has prevented kids, uh, from knowing how to activate their faith and, and, you know, the, knowing how to kind of step up in leadership and because I, I know a lot of college kids, I mean, they're just going to continue to do what they did in, in high school as far. I mean, they're going to go to a worship event. They're going to go to a fellowship and kind of hang out and, and stuff. And, and yes, high school, high school ministries do take mission trips, but a lot of times um, they're, they're easy. They don't, they don't, they don't want, they're not that challenging. And, you know, so, you can grow up in church and never be challenged in your faith until you're on a college campus. So what is it that, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know this isn't a conversation for youth pastors, but like what can, let's, let's gear the question to parents and, and the students. What can they do now um, to, to prepare because they may not have been equipped uh, from some of the um, things they've been involved in. Yeah. They, I would say this, I think of the vast majority of youth pastors, and I'd have to throw myself in there at some point in my ministry where I really focused on this. We focused on good theology because we talked about bad professors who would be teaching kids bad theology or would question their faith. And so it became an academic issue. It became a, a make sure all your beliefs are in order so that when you hear something that is uh, that goes against God's word, that you can defend it in some way, or at least protect yourself, or at least know the truth about a subject. And I think youth pastors dialed in on that for a long period of time um, to where the practicalities got lost. And so if you're a parent or a student who's listening to this, you need to challenge your youth pastor and say, what can I do in these last five months practice my faith what can you what leadership opportunities there's a lot of youth pastors who who do things themselves and i'm like absolutely not once a month in my youth group students lead the service that's autonomy that's leadership that's giving them permission to do those things let i want my students to fail early and often so that they learn so that we have those conversations that that's part of discipleship. So if you're a parent or a young person, 
go to your youth patch and say, what opportunities are there right now for my son or daughter to lead in this ministry, to, to do something that would prepare them, something that they would that they need to latch on to, uh, to help them practice their faith in a way that is going to stick with them, that is going to be, it can't be one-to-one because the challenges, it, it just may be something uncomfortable. It may be something that says, hey, I really want, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if my son or daughter's ready. I don't know if I'm ready as a student. I'll go to my youth pastor and say, hey, what can I do that's going to really up my game? What's going to help me be a better communicator? You know, I think we talk a lot of, a lot about, you know, good theology. That's great. The deal is, though, these kids have to go into college with skills as well. Communication skills, leadership skills, uh, all kinds of things. I would ask the youth pastor, what can you do? Because parents want this. Parents want something that's going to help their child navigate college. Well, teach them some skills, how to communicate. Give them a chance to speak in youth group. Give them a chance to yeah. lead a ministry. Give them a chance to to do something practical that will be somewhat of a mirror of something you may be asked to do. So uh, one of my phrases is this, too, in youth group. If a kid learns something and they do it well in college, I want the question, where did you learn that? I learned that in youth group. Where did you learn to put together PowerPoints, youth group? Where did you learn to run technology, youth group? Where did you learn to be a good communicator, youth group? I, I want that. I want those, you know, uh, yes, I want them to have great theology. Yes, I, I want them to have those. But I also want them to have skills that are going to be of use when they bring it there to that college campus that it's going to serve other people. Yeah, right on, man. Um, you're talking about leadership skills and all the skills. And all I can think about is nun, nunchuck skills and, uh, you know, just the just the Napoleon Dynamite mm, thing. Nunchuck yeah, skill. That's right. Uh, sorry. I went, I went. Those are useful. I, these I days, went there. Um, that's good. Uh, let's talk about finding. Nunchuck skills. <laughs> let's talk about finding a new church for a moment, because I know that, uh, I, you know, a typical um, per, high school teenager that's grown up in church may not have had to do that before you go to the church that your parents went to, or you follow a friend um, that, but finding this, finding a new church, uh, I, I talked to uh, upper class, co- upper classmen, uh, college all the time that are still looking for a church, and you know their senior year, they're still they're still church hopping, and you know, and and there's there's so much value in doing that. So one of the um, one of the perspectives uh, is that you will just go to your church when you come home and uh, you know, you, you have your home church and that you'll just um, go to it when you, when you come home from college on Thanksgiving or something um, and that you'll just, you know, go to a campus ministry or, or maybe church hop in college. What do you feel like is uh, the right steps for a college student uh, with finding a new church in college or attending a church and being a part of a, a church community uh, on a college campus. Yeah. The, I, I would say the first thing I would say is this, that popular is not always best yep. just because everybody goes to that church does not mean it's the best church for you. I think you have to look at what your needs are. 
I think you have to say, look, do I need to be in a place where uh, where I am of I don't want to be one of a thousand. I want to be one of one or at least the fact that where I go, I feel like I can contribute. I feel like I can be active. I feel like I can be known because it, you can go to a, the largest you know, church in the area, but that may not fulfill your deepest need, which is to be in community. It, you know, everybody may go there and it's fine and you may find community there. I'm just saying that the most popular church may not be the best church for you. I love the fact that uh, I just heard, you know, uh, if you're not familiar with the name, Cat uh, Cat uh, Von Dean, I believe it is, that is a tattoo artist, famous tattoo artist, was on, uh, you know, this show called Ink and all this. And she's pretty, she pretty famous, but you know what? She doesn't go. She's in L.A., I think, and she doesn't go to any popular churches. She goes to a small Baptist church with older people. She's probably in her late 30s. I love it there. I love the fact that I love the people. I love, uh, I love that that I feel known. I love that I feel like I'm in community. And that's something to be said. That if you're, you know, a famous person uh, who is, you know, trying to double down on the fact that they just became a Christian, uh, that there's a lot of those folks who want to go to the highest stage and and you know be somebody, you know, in a thing. She says no. I just want to be, I want to be in this community of people. I, I love these older people. I love being known. I love being of service. I love helping. I love, you know, essentially I love being a nobody. They don't care whether I'm a tattoo artist. They don't care about those things. And I think young people and parents that are listening, parents encourage your students to find what's going to be best for them. Hmm. What is They don't have to, you know, and don't be nervous. I mean, listen, I know there's parents who said, be sure you go to this kind of church, because if you go to that kind of church, you're not gonna you're not gonna do well or something and i think it's we have to encourage students to say you know what you're gonna have to find a community that you can that you can be active in that you can feel known in that you can that people will believe in you that people that where there are needs sometimes you go to a church and there are no needs like, no, we got it covered staff has it covered volunteer has it covered we don't need you just come in and worship and be part of this dynamic. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. You need to find a place where you can also serve. You can, And whether that's, hey, you have a Sunday morning worship service, but find that Wednesday night church you go to that says, hey, I'm going to come here and help with the youth group, or I'm going to come here and I'm going to be of service in some way. And I think that's super important for young people to find not just the most popular place, but find the place that is going to meet their needs and they don't have to follow the crowds to these things. They can find, say, look, I need a smaller church. I need a medium sized church. I need a, I need a, a different kind of thing for my needs. Yeah, no, it's good. Well, here, and here's a little pro tip for any parents that are listening and students that are listening. And, and I don't know, this may, it may be too late in the year for this to apply to high school seniors. If there are any parents of juniors listening or, or younger, um, as you visit colleges and go and see it and, and, and take the tour and do all of that, go ahead and visit some churches um, and with your child and, and, and schedule it so that there's a, a Sunday that a Sunday morning that you're going to a church and, um, and go and see what it's like and, and, and participate that with your uh with your students so that's something that uh, i've heard yeah and a lot others. of a lot of churches you can go to parents you can go to those websites and find out 
which churches are within two miles of that campus or three miles of that campus. And there's plenty of, uh, of you know, video walkthroughs you can do. You can read Google reviews, major things. You can check their website. Uh, so there's lots of things that parents can be proactive in doing before they ever, you know, by the time they, you know, when they hear this, they say, okay, I can still do this. Here's a list of churches and you can tell your son or daughter, uh, hey, here's here's the churches within three miles that, that you know, you may want to check out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's let's talk about the, the, the importance of accountability for a moment and com- within community, because one of the one of the questions I always ask high school seniors when I get to speak to them is um, what is like the number one reason why your faith has grown to the level that it has to this point? Was it your youth pastor? Was it just in general your youth group or was it your small group that you were in? or the, you know, a mentor that you had. And, and, and so many times they'll say it's the small group that we meet, you know, Wednesday mornings once a week, and we've been doing it for a year or for multiple years. And, and, and that group and those friends and that mentor have helped me um, grow and mature in my faith. And so then, you know, back to the influences again, they're leaving that influence and that group behind. And so, seeking out new accountability in college should be on the radar of every Christian college freshman as they step on campus, but they get overwhelmed with the distractions of everything else and it's not. So uh, can you speak to the the importance of accountability um, and the, and, and maybe how do you find that? Uh, right. I think the first thing is that you have to, the student has to, want to be accountable, that I know, and I know that I'm lazy, or I'm uh, disorganized, or I know that I need a group. I know that I need that. Now, the question is, what kind of group do I need to find that's going to be good for me? And these may be people that you meet on your hall. These may be people that you meet in a club, in a, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, whether it's a Bible club or whether it's whatever it is. One of the things that I do uh, is I try to call the college ahead of time and I find out who are the who are the organizations, right? So whether it's uh, Baptist Student Union, whether it's Chi Alpha, whether it's those organizations, and I um, say, look, I have a young person coming on campus. Would you contact them? And I give them their phone number because that lets the student already know that I'm I'm ahead of the game. It's like, I need you to be accountable. And somebody knows you're there. That's right. <laughs> you're not, I don't want you to walk. I want somebody to know you're, I want somebody to greet you. I want somebody to want you to be a part. And whatever you choose after that, that's fine. But I want you to at least know that there are groups there that you can be a part of. And and in finding that, I think you're, I, I think it just takes time. I think you're, you don't know you know, maybe your first semester, it's about feeling out. It's about who's, who's, who am I catching those vibes from? Who am I saying, this is a good accountability partner? Who is, you know, and once again, it, it comes from a want to, I want to be accountable to live my life of faith. And so if you're a young person listening to this, say, Hey, I want to be accountable. I need somebody to keep me in check on this. I need somebody just to pray with me or, uh, and somebody that I can pray for. You know, it's not just accountability for you, 
It's you showing up in the lives of other people and saying, I'll help you stay accountable, right? You're building a team. You're building a network of people who can help you for the next four years. That small group may be the reason you stay in college, and it may be the reason you succeed in college. And at the end of those four years, you're going to be sad to see that group go. Join a group that you're going to be sad that once that four years ends, you'll be like, that was the best thing I could have ever done. That's the thing that that got me through. Those are the guys on my hall who prayed before an exam. Those are the guys that I know I could talk to about my deepest struggles. Those are the people who I could go to with my deepest need and they provided for me. Whatever that is, that accountability has to be sought out. It has to be vulnerable enough to say, I'm willing to commit myself to a small group of people. So I would say, take that first semester. You may not meet them right off the bat. You might, but spend that first semester finding out who has that same heart as you, who has that same desire for deeper relationship when it comes to your faith and when it comes to accountability. Vibe off those people and then start to, and then be take the initiative and say, don't wait for people to come to you. You go to them and say, hey, listen, um, I got an exam in the morning. Would you mind, you know, praying with me? Uh, I have, uh, I'm, I'm feeling a, a sense of loneliness. I'm feeling homesick. Could we pray together? And so I think that just requires a lot of, a lot of vulnerability, but don't wait for people to come to you. You go to them and it'll be the best move you make in the short term, because that, that choice you make could last you all four years. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll take it even further for any, uh, high school seniors that are listening just know that just because of the 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 place that college falls into the stage of life that you're in your college friends are are so much more likely to be your lifelong friends than even your high school friends um in so many cases because like i said just the stage of life that you're all in and so uh build find these people that you can be accountable to now because they may be um, some level of accountability in your life for the rest of your life. And, 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 you know, and, and so I think there's so much value in, in taking the initiative and doing that. So Paul, let me just ask you kind of this, this last kind of this application, immediate application question um, uh, that I ask every guest on the podcast. Uh, what can, High school seniors here in the winter of their senior year, the the start of their last semester of high school, what can they do now to begin preparing for these challenges um, that they will face, these differences that they'll face in their faith once they graduate and move on to the next stage of life? Yeah, I would say the the biggest key and saying, Lord, prepare a place for me. Lord, prepare this, prepare the people need me, right? Pray for those accountability partners. They're, they're not just gonna manifest necessarily. Sometimes it's about being prayed up and having the right heart and spirit as you go in. It says, Lord, uh, you know, make this, let me make an impact these four years. Let me, let me go into, you know, let me go into college. You, maybe you were, maybe you were uh, as a young person, in high school, you didn't live out your faith in a way that you, that you were happy with. You, you, you sort of just got by. 
I think this becomes another great opportunity for you to say, you know what, I want to make an impact. You're, you're going to be going to school with, with uh, you know, people who will be senators, people who will be football coaches of college programs, people who will world changers, and you're going to be among them. And you yourself may be one of those people. And so as you pray, say, Lord, I am nothing. I'm going to become whatever. I'm going to become the best version that I can become of me. I, this education, everything's going to form. But I think everything's going to happen in prayer because you're going to submit it to the Lord. And you're going to say, Lord, guide my steps. You're going to say, Lord, help me find the people in my life who are going to help me get over the, over the line. Help me find the accountability partners. Help me find the right community. Help me bring those people to me. And I think as you're praying, uh, you're, you're not passively praying, but you're actively praying. You're praying with those things in mind. I think that by time you're going to, it's going to build your confidence level to the point where you say, you know, when I walk on that campus, I know that I've done the paddling of prayer. I have paddled during this season. I didn't just say, well, whatever happens, happens. Uh, whatever, you know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I don't have to do anything else. And I say, you know what? Lay it down and say, Lord, how do you want to use me on this campus? Lord, how do you want to, how, how, how can I help and impact others on this campus? And make it more about, not just about you, but make it about how, how you're going to impact the lives of others. That, it, that don't just assume things, but rather be proactive and say, I'm going to pray in such a way that I commit my life to the Lord. I'm going to pray for all the major areas that we talked about. I'm going to talk about community. I'm going to talk about my my uh, beliefs, my worldview. I'm going to lock down those things. Try my best to go in as prepared as prepared as a football player gets prepared for a big game. You're going to get prepared to walk on that campus. Everything's not going to be perfect, but you'll know that you've done the homework. You've know you've done you've 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 dug uh, the hole and you have laid a deep enough foundation that whatever happens, you know that you have the confidence that God is going to be with you on that campus. And so that would be my encouragement is take this time in this season to really pray, submit your life to the Lord. And then when you step on that campus, you and God are working in together. You're not coming out of crisis. You're not coming to God out of crisis. You're coming to God out of saying, hey, we've talked about this. And so your confidence is in him, uh, not necessarily yourself. The Launch Mission Podcast is sponsored by VisionWise Career and Organizational Development, helping you go from where you are to who you are called to be. For more, go to visionwisecareer.com. We hope you enjoy the Launch Mission Podcast. If so, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and also share this episode with a friend. For more about the Launch Mission Ministry, this podcast, or any of the resources mentioned, go to thelaunchmission.org and visit us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook.